Hello, everybody, and welcome to Documentation Not Included. It is Thursday, 7 p.m., normal time. <laughs> and we're live on twitch.tv slash DNI stream. It is time for episode version 11.8, Contract Lens, spelled the American way, as we were Child. having our discussion earlier. Only just noticed as well. I've been using it all week. Oh. <laughs> I'm Josie Howarth, and as always, I am joined by the Fender Reach Out to Asia Stratocaster to my Squire Affinity Stratocaster, Chris Seabach. Now, I do understand that reference because I am also a musician and uh, have plenty of musical equipment. But <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, Squire versus Fender, I suppose I'll let, I'll let you off there. I'm not a no, Strat no, no, fan. No, not just any it's the fender reach out to asia stratocaster which has sold it's one of the top number one selling guitars okay. to the squire affinity stratocaster which you can get like at the supermarket for like mm. 50 quid wow. so there is a vast difference you are the fender stratocaster to my squire i'll take that again once again so yes uh, as always hello josie and hello to everybody in chat as already something going on and we've got a few new names as well going on today um That's please okay. do get involved with the show it is a live show we have uh, we do field questions at any point we uh might not be able well, to answer them we may not, not read them at out. any point we, we try to squeeze we them in at the appropriate in. moments we fit them in when they are necessary so yes please do get involved if uh, if you see the need at any point during the show Oh, yes. And before we get started, as always, we have our little icebreaker question. This is a question we just asked to ourselves and guests and to you who are listening. So do let us know your own responses to this. But I want to know today, Chris, what is the weirdest thing you have ever eaten? And I hear your cat in the background. I was just going to say my cat. He always comes in at the... <laughs> One of my cats. He's, he's neurotic, that one. He's scratching the door now. Apologies for those who can hear who hear that. Um, the weirdest thing I've ever eaten. Mm -hmm. Oh. I have sampled and did not like uh, chicken's feet. Not a fan. I've eaten alligator. Um, I've eaten kangaroo. I've eaten plenty of different types of meats like ostrich. and, and But they're not that weird, I suppose. Not these days. I'll, I'll have to, I don't know, you give me yours, I'll have to have a think. Well, let me preface this by saying that I didn't know this at the time, and it came back and haunt me horribly. Um, but I, for full disclosure, am allergic to fish, right? However, some way, shape, or form, somebody I knew actually gave me something, and it turned out to be fish eyeballs. Ooh. And there is a crunch to them that is kind of horrific. As a pop. And not just a pop, but there is a crunch to them. The and lens. just thinking about it is giving me such horrible heebie-jeebies. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Yes, I found, uh, Avina's just said kangaroo is really good. I found it quite bouncy as a meat. <laughs> sorry, sorry. My wife likes a pun. She, she, she'd be proud of me for that one. Oh, that is horrible, Chris. <sighs> Absolutely horrible. So, anyway, on to today's subject. Let's get see. I, I honestly, I can't think of anything more more at the moment. Maybe I'll think by the end of the episode. And if you hear any whinging on my side of the cave, uh, this pond type thing, my dog is now whining because my husband should be home some point soon. So she's freaking out, waiting for him. Yes. Uh, uh. So on today's <laughs> subject, we uh, have entitled it contact contract lens. 
Because um, we're turning our eye onto contracts. We are indeed. So in there. those of you who know us and, and listen to the show know that both Josie and I are freelancers slash contractors. Um, Josie's, sort of. Yeah, Josie's more of a freelancer service provider type thing. And I do a lot of consulting and, and contracting as well. Um, so we're going to be discussing why contracts are important, what kind of contracts there are, what they should contain, uh, and also what you should look out for when signing contracts that are raised on your behalf uh, as a, I mean, in my instance, as a contractor, I quite often get agencies give me a contract and I have to, you know, I have to sign that in order to work for a particular client. So there's going to be a Whereas lot. I, I have my clients sign contracts with me. <laughs> yes. And I do that directly as well. So I have my own yeah. contract that I sign with clients. So, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. now I am going to read out a statement that I have prepared. It's in mm. bright red letters. Uh, we yeah. are not lawyers in any Ew. way, shape or form. We have opinions uh, and that's about it. Um, nothing we share should be construed as legal advice and we take no responsibility for any actions you take regarding the examples, opinions and advice we provide here. Always consult a solicitor regarding your contracts and know that you and or your company are fully responsible for any contract terms that you agree to. Our podcast is provided as is and is based on how we choose to run our own companies. Do not listen to us. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> now that we got the IANL out. <laughs> yeah, but no, basically, we, yeah, we, we, have, we have lots and lots of experience in this. I am a particularly um, adamant contractor. I, I am vehemently opposed to terms that I disagree with, and I will not say, I've even done it this week. I've actually said no yeah. to a fairly lucrative contract um, that I did not agree with the terms, and we'll go into, into that uh, in a bit more detail later on. Obviously, we won't name clients or anything like that, but we will uh, no. we'll go into a bit more detail. Yeah, that's that's one of the beautiful things. I can't name clients. I have signed an NDA. Well, same here. I'm not even allowed to use them on my website. You know, I'm I'm in yes! the process of I'm in the process of potentially writing case studies. Well, I've got I've got some on there already. Some clients have signed off and said yes, but most of my clients and there's hundreds of them over the years. There's no way I can use the logo. There's no way I can talk about the projects and tie it to a client. I have to be generic. Very you know? general. Yeah. So it's 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 is what it is. Um, so yes, let's start off with why are contracts important? Well, you need to have some kind of agreement to understand what. I'm, actually, you know what this reminds me of? Um, there is a fantastic. YouTube series. And of course, I can't remember what it is right now. So I feel absolutely horrible. But, you know, money, the cash that we all carry around and stuff is actually a contract. It's an exchange of something to get something back in return. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's a quid for quo. Oh, <laughs> uh, I thought I was going to be the worst pun today. But no, that's that's not even a pun. That is an actual statement of fact. It is a you exchange something to get something in return. End of story. Right? I don't have any notes on me now, but I think I believe that UK um, UK notes all have I promise to pay the bearer. That is yeah. your contract. That's what it's written yes. on every UK note. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing in the United States as well. They, or at least they used to. Gosh, I haven't touched a United States dollar in so long. I couldn't even begin to tell you. Um, but that's basically what it comes down to. It is an agreement between, generally speaking here, two parties, that something will be exchanged in return for something else. Mm -hmm. 
And I've just been kissed on the top of my head by my husband who has walked in. For those of you who are listening on the podcast in the future, you've missed a very handsome man with a beard. <laughs> but anyway. Excuse me? Well, you're Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're just Chris. But what it comes down to is having a contract actually allows there to be a very clear definition of what the two exchanges are between the parties. Now, a contract can be anything. Uh, we're talking about written contracts here specifically. Yes, which not, is not gentlemen's handshakes. Which and is in fact, if you're running a company and you're doing gentlemen's handshakes, don't just, be me from the past. Be just better. Go and, just go and watch. Um, just go and watch some Judge Rinder if you're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there are other shows like that. A lot. Judge Judy, I think, was the original, wasn't it, in America? Um, but no, no, essentially, it, wasn't. it was someone else, some guy. Anyway. So, um, so yeah, we're talking specifically about business contracts that we write, mm. we write down, and we agree to with another party. Generally, business to business contracts, but these can also be business to customer contracts. If if that is how you view it, they're the same thing to an extent. There are usually more stringent terms in a business to business contract in terms of, um, I don't know. For example, there may be a specification for me to have to work on site somewhere, or there might have to be you have to use. This, in my instance, I'm a software developer, so that I might have to use somebody's hardware in order to fulfill the services because there are stringent security requirements for me to do that. Generally, yeah. I, I don't personally take work that requires that most of the time, but sometimes I will, depending on the circumstances. Um, contracts can be anything from a few lines that you've written down and signed to... I'm thinking beer napkins. Two, two, fifty, a hundred page documents, you know. Oh, jo even more in some cases. Yes. So, so Josie and I discussed briefly before. We've got standard terms that we use with our direct clients. My standard terms are about seven pages long. Josie's are about was it eleven? Did you say eleven to fourteen? Now I have. I'm not going to show you because it's a contract and it's not a thing. <laughs> I have something pinned up on my wall that one of our listeners, um, not somebody who's in chat at the moment, one of our listeners. Um, may very well uh, re recognize when I speak about it. I sold something to somebody a few weeks ago and they uh, it was £100, this item, and it was a friend. And although it's a friend, now this is how much of a businessman I am or a business-orientated um, mind I am. Even though he's a friend and I trusted that he would pay me, I got him to write it down. And it says, date, recipient's name and address. It's an IOU. And it says, I, blah de blah, promise to pay Chris for this item, this amount. I have paid £30 and I will pay £70 by this date. They're the fundamental things that you need in a contract. Well, you need to know what is being exchanged, period. In our yeah. case, it is a service of some kind in exchange for your financial benefit to be able to buy groceries and actually exist in this world that is economically unfriendly to people who do not collect money for the services they render. But yes, so why are they important? To me, it is because there needs to be a clear definition of what is actually being exchanged. Mm -hmm. In my case, for example, I'm exchanging time, expertise, um, actual code in cases, uh, space on servers, things like that. I have to break down what it is that I am 
offering and I have to then let them know that for each of these particular things, there is a charge, a fee that is agreed upon by both of us. And that really defines a scope, doesn't it? That's what we're talking about mm. here. We're talking about the scope of services that we provide. Now, one of the yeah. problems we have in the contracting world is that our scope is often quite wide. If we, <laughs> si if we sign up for a job that is sold to us by a recruitment agent who typically sell permanent jobs to people, we see a job spec and we see technical architect, .NET developer, JavaScript front-end developer, and they have a list of kind of job requirements, but they don't talk about the project you're going to be working on. They don't talk about the, 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 the start and end points of the project, kind of the scope, the scale. That's something that has to happen. And it is, it doesn't happen. The job spec to me, that is not enough. You know, to me, that is not, uh, that is too wide a scope because they can essentially say, right, you're, you're, um, you're providing services as a technical architect, but we can move you from project to project and we can move you on whatever we want, whenever we want. That to me says I'm an employee. Yeah, to me, that just, that rings employee. I mean, granted in my particular case, the stuff that I do is slightly different than you, Chris. Obviously we've discussed this. You know, nine times out of 10, the clients that I work with could not do what I do for them in-house. It's just an impossibility, um, either due to expertise or just, you know, that is the way it works. For example, I work with some authors and authors, nine times out of 10, just want to write their books. They really, 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 really don't want to pay any attention to something like their author presence or their, you know, websites or whatever. So in my particular case it's i don't get the well now that you have finished doing this i am going to shuffle you to this or but like that is not a thing that happens in my particular situation what does happen is because i seem to be the only it person they know i get the typical it questions you know should i be using this software I cannot give you advice on that because that is not part of our contract and I don't want responsibility and for what happens. Yeah, quite often it's not, well, may not be your your area of expertise. You might have some knowledge of it, but we agree these this scope <laughs> and these um, these statements really to, to make sure that we are providing services that are relevant to our skill set. Yeah, that, just <clears throat> because I know about, you know, the computer and binary doesn't mean that I am going to be able to tell you the best printer cartridges to use. I, I have a printer and that is the extent of it. <laughs> I get, I mean, I don't get them kind of questions from my clients because as you quite rightly pointed out, the distinction often is, is that I'm working with my clients' employees um, on projects that, yep. uh, I mean, this doesn't always happen. I do a lot of consulting as well, but uh, if I'm working on a long-term project, I work with them and I provide kind of part of the service, part of the, the code base, part of this, I don't know, the configuration. It could be anything. But or more often than not, that is specified as a job rather than specified as a list of deliverables. Correct. And I think that is why it is so important for the contract to be explicitly clear about what it is that you're doing, which is why in our case, at least for us, Chris, when we present ourselves to a potential client or a potential customer, 
we're not sitting there trying to fill a um, seat hmm. in a team or something else like that. What we're doing is we are companies offering services and we just happen to be an employee of our own company and we're the ones providing the service. However, I am pretty certain that in your contract, like within mine, it is explicitly stated that some of the work may be contracted out to mm. another contractor. It is in my direct contracts. Right, um, but not often, in the ones from the agents? If I go through an agency, there are certain restrictions quite often that I cannot get around, and I keep trying to. Right. I mean, I've, I've working with one particular client through an agency, and I've got a, quite a good relationship with the agency and the client, and they've, they've been, they tr I am absolutely a consultant. There is no shadow of a doubt. I'm very, there's very few people that are technical on site. I provide services to them. I help them with the software and the configuration and setting things up and putting processes in place and all kinds of things. Um, but when I, when I work with them, we agree deliverables on a month by month basis. But one of the things that I keep trying to get is, can I, subcontract some of this work to somebody I know and the agency uh, it kind of takes away some of their profit potentially maybe but it really does depend on on how I approach it however that agency the st stipulates I cannot subcontract in the contract however it stipulate I have also talked to them and if I can come up with a good reason for subcontracting they will allow it they will change the contract but most agencies by typically will not allow that well, see, that's interesting because in some cases, like in my particular case, I have a whole bunch of, I hate this, but cloud platforms in order to do hosting and things like that. Or I'm brought in to take care of hosting in someone other places. Please stay away from GoDaddy. That is my only warning to people. But um, nine times out of 10, the clients that I work with do not care what it is I'm doing or how I'm going about doing what I'm doing as long as I am delivering the end result deliverable. So they don't care whether I have them on AWS or DigitalOcean or some other hosting platform as long as you know the prices that I've agreed with them on are being hit, the deliverables for the different targets that we have set are being hit. But that's sort of the service provider side of things uh, more so than anything else. Nine times out of 10, though, the other side of the clients that I work with where I do some, some kind of virtual assistance with them, I cannot contract that out. So I actually don't have that clause in. Okay, well, it's so. I, I have the, my, my terms are generally, unless a client says to me, we will not allow you to subcontract and then we'll have a discussion and we'll negotiate, uh, like I'm talking about a direct client. Um, right. I've currently got a contract out there that's waiting to be signed. I'm starting some work next week with that client, and I'm waiting for them to sign it off. It was actually, well, it was actually due yesterday, which I need to chase it tomorrow. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just, just realized that they said they would have it all done yesterday, but they, they haven't. Um, anyway, so I'll... Uh, what was the point we were trying to get at? Subcontracting. If the client comes back to me and says, we want you to do this work, we do not want you to subcontract, then that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. That doesn't take necessarily any control, much control away from me because I, I expect to provide all of the services myself. Yeah. However, I do have another clause which is different from subcontracting, which is called a substitution clause. I, 
I'm allowed to say, let's say, for example, I'm charging £100 a day to a client, yes? And mm -hmm. that £100 a day is for one consultant. It's clearly stated in the contract. One consultant will be provided. My contract is very clear in that if that consultant cannot provide the service, I can send another consultant as long as they have the skills to, to carry that work out. That's right. the flexibility that I have. However, I've never needed to use that. And I find it very difficult for me to come to any... Work situation where I would I would be able to do that because the clients want me they want my personal service and my skills that I have sold them you know I think that's one of the things that uh, you know considering this is part of our sort of contractor freelancer run your own company part of the documentation uh, podcast that we've got going here I think it's worth mentioning that when you are a one-man show like it can be very terrifying for a client to take you on, mm. particularly with long-term services, because if anything happens to you, health, act of nature, whatever, they don't have you anymore. And you that, that's the kind of thing that you need to cover in your contract. My contract is very explicit in that um, because I am a one-person service, they know that I am. I'm not, I'm not, I don't make it, um, I don't hide the fact. It's on my website, you know. I have well, you're two a two-person circuit. I have two. I have an employee. You have administration, yeah. Uh, but the, the, they do not contribute to the main services that earn money for my business. They are an administrative right. function. So um, it's me. I'm if, if I die, I fall off a cliff, etc., my contract is explicit in that I can cancel and terminate the contract with seven days' notice without any reason. You do seven days. Oh, you lucky, lucky no, no. thing. The thing is, a lot of the contracts in my industry are 28 days, 30 days, 60 days. However, It depends I... for me, and it depends on what it is that I've got the agreement with or what service it is that I'm providing. Because if I turned around and said, I'm going to give you seven days notice that I am shutting down your hosting solution, that is insane to me and, and absolutely unfair. Uh, on who? <laughs> If I had that in my contract, because if, so what? What would be fair? I don't understand which which way you would prefer it. Longer. Okay. I, I I give because of the fact that it's on a monthly billing cycle. I I tend to do it on a monthly sort of thing. But so to that, me, seven days just seems way too short. That's fine. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. I I provide a service that is disposable to my clients. Yeah. And um, if I am unavailable, they will be able to get somebody else. Might take them a month two months might take them longer to get somebody else but they can usually replace me however most all of my my industry works on three six month nine month 12 month terms right. normally a contract is three months and they were a lot of clients wait until the last moment or a lot of agencies wait till the last moment to actually give you the contract so it's kind of a rolling employment not employment it's a rolling contract of services but you can with with an agency sometimes you can drop out sometimes you can't sometimes they don't give you a termination clause i don't like that because i cannot guarantee for the next three months that i will be available something might happen to my wife and i might need to be with her you know i have to have that termination clause in there yeah see i i, I will not sign a contract that does not have termination for both parties in it end of story it has to there be mutual as be, well yeah and the thing is it has to be very very clear what those terms are or what the 
it just basically needs to be very clear. There's also um, a determination for a clause, rather, in my contract that says that the client, if they are unsatisfied with my work to a reasonable extent, um, or... I don't like your beard, Chris. There's a it's not long enough. <laughs> or a breach of contract in any way, shape, or form, or either company goes into administration, then I then they can cancel the contract immediately yeah. without any any notice whatsoever. But the what's what's really important to me is that mutual termination notice, that, that ability for us to have mutual business respect for each other. Yeah. I it's in my interests as a business to keep going. To to keep up an engagement with a client. But if I equally do not like a client or do not like working for them or disagree with something while I'm working with them, uh, I need the ability to say you're fired without yes. ramificate, legal ramifications back upon me. So this I, I is, completely agree. These kind of things are the things you have to consider in a contract. And there's lots, lots yes. of things. And, and, and I think it's worth we, us jumping into the fact that, you know, when it comes down to contracts, they can come from a variety of places. But who, Chris? Who should be the one to provide the contract? So, in the instance of a supplier-client relationship, I personally believe, and this doesn't always happen, it depends on the size of the client and whether they have their own legal team or have their own HR team that deals with suppliers on a regular basis, um, it is the supplier that provides the contract, me in this instance. If I work directly with a client, I am the one who gives them my terms of engagement and they negotiate with me on that basis. If they find something disagreeable, we'll discuss it and we will negotiate and we will get to an agreeable term. If I'm working through an agency, I would love to provide my own terms, but that will never ever happen because the agency provide that service to both the client and the candidate or contractor or service provider or whatever you want to call us in that instance they have both of their agreements the one that they have with the client and the one that they have with us they are an intermediary they have to match to some degree the salient terms have to match so there's nothing really i can do in that situation uh, other than go direct with the client which is usually a breach of all kinds of moral issue moral problems and um if you've already Legal signed a contract. in some cases as well. Well, if you've signed a contract and it's stipulated within the contract and you're opted in or out of the agency regulations, then that is that is a realistic term. If you're opted into the agency regulations, then they cannot restrict you from going direct with a client. Yeah. <laughs> just just go back and listen to our agents, the good, the bad, and the ugly podcast episode. Because, yeah. oh my gosh. The, uh, the, the, the Not the intermediaries. The, um, <laughs> the agency conduct regulations are very different from the agency workers' regulations, which are very different from the intermediaries' regulations. All of which them apply. Which is different from country to country, so be sure to... Absolutely. So we're talking. I'm. To, I will. I will only talk you about will UK be law. Yeah, same. There's nothing. I know well, nothing about any case. other country. <clears throat> of course you don't. <laughs> so ah. other, other things that we need to include in contracts. Should we oh get onto that then? So generally, we have a main terms section. The main terms is all legal mumbo jumbo, all the jargon. Uh, we could. I mean, we could provide. I could provide. I'd be happy to provide my contract to anybody who really wants to read it. Um, I'm one of those people who reads every single word of every single contract. Contract. Yes. Uh, so. For, obviously, you need definitions. 
that is something that you and I were talking about. That alone, depending upon what you're offering, can be massive. I've seen definitions. I've seen, you know, agreement definitions of like three or four pages long before now. But generally, mine in my contract's one page, you know. Yeah, generally speaking, mine's one page long, um, et cetera. But then, of course, you have, at least in my opinion, the deliverables, the terms and dates that are set for start and finish, or if there is a recurrence, when the recurrence is. Um, I generally include in a billing cycle so that it is very explicitly clear what the cycle for billing will be. We will I raise can, an invoice on Friday and we expect it to be paid by the following Friday or 30 days or 60 days exactly. or whatever. Or the last day of every month or the first day of every month or the 15th of it, like whatever it is, it needs to be explicitly. You didn't actually say what you believed in terms of ah. the contract. Who, who do you think should issue the contract? I literally think it is representative of what it is that you're offering. Like in my case, my contract or bust. Yep, same here. Uh, I mean, End if it's an agency, story. I can't do anything about it. But if I'm with a client and they say, oh, we work with thousands of contractors and we have our own terms, I'm probably not going to go for that because I'm just, I'm I'm not going to enjoy that role. I can guarantee that by that bureaucratic process to start off with. And probably not going <laughs> to agree. I know people who, who work in HR and like find it the greatest thing since sliced bread. I take my hat off to you because I can't stand it. I absolutely can't stand it. it. Drives me nuts. But yeah, for me, at least, um, the one time that I say that, at least for me, what ended up happening is the client is the one who offered the contract to me. And that was when I stepped in to briefly fill a role that was, um, you know, on my own terms, like all the things that you expect a contractor to do. The difference is I was actually filling a role in the company, hmm. which in today's day and age could lead us to the elephant in the room. Which I've desperately tried to, I've already said it once. Um, I am so trying to avoid the elephant because yeah. honestly, I know the moment I open my mouth and say the elephant, um, I am going to uh, see bad things happen. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back to what you should include in your contract. I was just about to bring that background. <laughs> we, we will talk about the elephant maybe in another podcast. But um, for, yeah, but, yes, right. So um, we're talking about payment terms. Um, how are we going to get paid? When are we going to get paid? Uh, what the rate is that we are charging? Whether it's a rate or a fixed term, or a fixed thing, the the dates of agreement, the date that the agreement starts and the date that the agreement ends, if it indeed and does when end, it's signed. and when you will deliver it. <laughs> yes. So if you're, for example, I may sign a contract today, and I may say, right, this contract runs indefinitely, um, because I, uh, as a main agreement, I do this quite often with a lot of my clients. I've got five open contracts at the moment that are active. I've only got two or three of those that I'm billing for at the moment. Um, and one of those has a main agreement and then a number of schedules attached to it for each deliverable. So each kind of set of work that I'm doing. First set of work, SDLC consultancy. Second set of work, provide a framework in Angular for something. Third set of work um, is put a build system together for for this particular piece of software, you know, that kind of thing. And then all of that is detailed as the deliverables on the contracts. 
Well, see, to me, it's it's sort of the, you have the services and the services that you're doing and then the deliverables from those services. Because like, for example, like if I'm helping someone uh, come up with a project plan, it's project management is the service, the deliverable is the plan. Yeah, I, I term it in terms of, project which I has got a name them because in some cases some of the things that i do can be just a service me literally sitting there listening to one of my clients rant rave and rip their hair out because of something that amazon has done is actually a part of what yeah, i do absolutely yeah you know um <laughs> Yeah, so I, I do exactly the same. I have project and services. They are separate. The project is uh, the, see, over, I, yeah. the overarching. Term. This is why you define the definitions. Cause so the, the overarching project is usually um, I'm working on the transformation project for 2020 or something like that. And it'll have mm. a name, you know, a specific name internal to the company. And then the services will be either... I don't know, technical architecture covering these deliverables. But sometimes right. sometimes it will just be a, a point that's kind of fluffy, but it won't just be a job title. It will be still kind of, I am going to be providing these services for this project. Or it will be specific deliverables in the services. And I'm talking about write this class for a piece of code. Sometimes if, if I'm just in, uh, engaged for a day, write an, e an email class that sends an email to, I don't know, sends an email via SurveyMonkey or something like that. I don't know. I'm just pulling things out of the air. I've never done that. Don't <laughs> use SurveyMonkey as an email relay. You know Go with I mean. something else. My gosh. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but you, you get the idea. It's usually yeah. quite explicit when I'm talking about deliverables. Um, yeah. So other things, client's full name. Ah, ah. now here's, here's, here's a kicker thing. I have to throw this in here. The, when it, we, we talked about it briefly about the payment terms and things like that, I have explicit stated into my contract late fees. Yes, I I have a late payments charge, which is just the standard um, stipulation of 8% plus the bank of interest base rate uh, after 14 days. I think I've reduced mine to 14 days because I am on a seven-day payment term with most of my clients. And I'm a small company and I can't wait 30 days if they mess me around for too long. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I got to pay my groceries, man. I'm yeah, telling you. I, I'm, not, I'm not getting messed around by... And if it's in the contract, it's usually adhered to, usually. I also have a minimum fee. Um, and this okay. comes back to sort of the retainership thing. Because if I am working on a website for someone and the key deliverables that I need in order to progress the website are in the client's hands, AKA the copy that is going to be on a website. And I am sitting on my behind waiting for this. Mm -hmm. There still needs to be some money sitting in my pocket because at the moment I get it, I have to drop whatever else I'm doing in order to keep up my own deliverables. But that's because I work with so many different clients at one time I, versus what you do. I do do that. Um, I can remember an instance this year, in fact, where I've put into a deliverable um, not quite as explicit as dates. I need this by this date. It's been more, right, we have 20 days budget over the next three months or, or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And I will deliver this as long as I am provided time and yes. um, feedback from the relevant stakeholders or, or key members of your staff, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and in one instance, that was not adhered to. And I have proof and evidence that that was not adhered to and in other instances I was given more than enough time from the people so I got the work done ah uh, yes so we need to we, we are running out of time already 
So I we know. need to kind of run. I'm purposely run. trying to avoid la- the the elephant, and by doing yeah, yeah. so, so yeah. no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking about the elephant. Don't worry. I'm talking ah. about the things that we need in the contract. Okay. <laughs> so, yes. cl- client's full name and address and company yes. number. Your full name and well, sorry, your company's full name and address and company number. Uh, we D-A-D. talked about. Uh, we talked about the project details, services, and scope, uh, resources that will be provided. Now, in my instance, I provide a personal service yeah. as a consultant. So I say Christopher Seabock will be provided, but they can substitute, and we refer to that substitute as other personnel, you know? Yeah. Um, generally, I will provide the services, but I need the right to replace myself if I really, really need to, which, just said, is probably never going to happen in my lifetime. Even right. even if I something happens to me and I'm unable to provide the services, I will speak to the client and the client will probably understand. Right. But in this particular case, when you're talking about resources, you're also talking about things like the hardware, yes. software, tools. Like, for example, if someone wants to um, use me for websites, you know, I've got licenses for things like Creative Cloud, et cetera. I, I, I'm not going to turn around and demand that my client pays for that because that's actually <clears throat> sort of, that's part of, of that's part of your job when you're doing exactly. requirement gathering to figure out what you need to perform the services if you are going to need to buy a specialist piece of hardware for example if i agree mm. if i agree to do a mobile application that runs on apple devices i do not do apple um, mobile <laughs> app. i don't do apple it's just not part of my service if the client wants that i will stipulate in the contract that i can provide the development environment that i need for uh, Windows and Linux, but I cannot, the, the client must provide the environment for Apple because that is a yeah. significant cost. Or I will yeah. add that into onto my cost for the client if they're comfortable doing that. It's never happened, probably never will, but it, I'm happy to it's, use the client's still, hardware in that instance. It needs to be at least uh, stated, you know, there has yeah. to be some kind of explanation. So, for licenses, licenses and software are a big one for me. Uh, quite a lot of the time, a contractor is given an MSTN license when they go on site and work for a, a client. That's that's a fifteen hundred to three thousand pound license yeah, that gets given to a software contractor, and they shouldn't do that. I, I mean, I have a, a Maps subscription, huh. uh, a partnership Microsoft partnership subscription, costs me four hundred pound a year, and I get all of the software that I need, and I can use it for commercial reasons, you know, and. And I use that. That's part of the service I provide. I provide my own licenses. Yep. And th- th- that's the thing. I mean, in my particular case, there are certain clients that I have that I do hosting with that are part of sort of a, I'll say a general cloud platform. And then there are others who pay for a very explicit type of platform. And it's on them to cover that particular cost. It never is on me or my company, I should say. Whereas the ones that are sort of in a general sort of thing, they all just know that they're covering, you know, this web hosting. They don't need to know the explicits of which platform. So I, I, you know, I also have things like licenses for enterprise architects, Sparks Enterprise Architects. I use that for my data modeling, for my architecture of designing and that kind of thing. I have my own license. I found that by working with a client many years ago and liked it and thought, oh, this I can use this going forward. I've got my own, as, said, creative, as you said, creative cloud license. All of mm. this stuff gets paid for by my company to provide yep. the services that I provide. And Literally, the core systems, it, at least that's what I call them for myself. It is the core systems. It's a thing to me where if I did not have them, I would not exist as a company. This, 
this meeting room that we're using now. Yes. There is a subscription charge to it. I have my own meeting room, not this one, but my own meeting room that I use for client meetings uh, and, you know, stand-ups and everything else that I need to do, speaking to people. And it's a charge. It's a cost. It's a service I provide. And then I don't provide it when I'm not working with them. So, you know, (laughs) I actually had that. They're making um, use of what is known as your company tools and assets, so, which again, I think comes down to why I stress it should be your contract. But yes. that's specifically for us because there are situational things. So that's resources. So other things require insurances. In my industry, at least, I need public yep. liability, indemnity insurance. Um, I need employer's liability. That isn't necessarily um, a, cl- a client's concern, but for my own company i need to, my company needs to insure me as an employee and if i, I want have... just in case i want to sue my own company but yes congratulations i'm so glad that but you never know i mean might be lucrative might right? need to if uh, if all these uh, <laughs> all these changes come in <clears throat> but no and, and another thing at least in my case is i have you know insurances for things like data breaches and stuff mm. like that as well because that is a thing and it can get very terrifying. Um, some of the clients that I have um, have sort of life and death situations depending yep. upon certain uh, security things. So it's so important for you know me to have myself covered because I am smart enough in the world of security to know it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Well, this is, you do this... the best mitigations you can, but if something happens and a client decides to come at me, there is some kind of, you know, protection. Well, that's what professional indemnity and uh, professional indemnity is for and public liability is for if you leave your laptop bag uh, in a walkway and someone trips over it. Or a stick or something in a subway. That's just pro- saying. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, professional indemnity, that one. But, yeah, um, yeah. the liabilities for... Just any kind of insurances types of a things, yeah. Um, so confidential in- information, which is different from intellectual property. Confidential information is something that we, by nature, we work with clients and we work with their information. Um, we've got yep. personal information sometimes, employees, um, information about their contracts and their clients, uh, information... In the security sector, you may not have to be security cleared, but you're working with that confidential information. You, uh, oh. Trade secrets, proprietary information, proprietary code, proprietary designs, that is covered in a contract as well. Basically, we it basically just says, we will not steal it. We will not give it to anybody else. And if we do, we are liable for that. It's it's your basic general NDA, yeah. non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. Yeah, to an extent, confidential information is slightly different from the NDA. NDA is a bit more explicit. And then, well, with the confidential information, you start dealing in personally identifiable information, which then you're looking at the GDPR. Yes, so that's our data protection, um, which is slightly different from confidential information. Um, so <laughs> our, they're all kind of under the, the same they are, but they're all specific. Of. They've all got their own legislation <laughs> surround. Uh, sorry, the GDPR yeah. is a specific legislation, so that is that is covered separately. Um, we've got intellectual well, a, property, which is the assignment of the work that we do to the client, yes. which is quite or, important. Yeah, or vice versa. Depending entirely. So yeah. one of one of the clauses I always put in and always ask agencies to put in as well, any any work that I have previously done, for example, I may have written this email class that we talked about earlier, this piece of code that sends an email to somebody, but I may copy and paste that and use it for different clients. It may have initially took me 
couple of days to write it, maybe longer, I don't know. Um, but I will copy and paste it into a client's code base because I've already written that code. Why rewrite it, you know? I own the IP to that particular piece of code or architectural design or design yeah. pattern or whatever. And it's very difficult to prove that kind of thing. But code is more explicit. You can actually do forensic analysis on code bases. And uh... Well, yes, you can. And there is a whole can of worms. And we should totally do a show about that. Um, so th that in that instance, I need to know that I still own the right and I assign the client a... Um, a license, a worldwide, non-exclusive license, and that code may very well exist in my other clients' code bases as well. So that's very, very important to me, but also it's important to my clients that anything <laughs> I write that's new and novel and and I've created a, a work while I've been um, giving, while I've been doing the work under this assignment. It's difficult to word this sometimes. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> is yes. is theirs it belongs to them so i can't come back and go right i'm taking this work and running off with it i've designed this brand new website yeah th there's it it can be it's this is why it is so important at least in my opinion to not have just a blanket contract it really needs to be tailor fit to each individual client at least in my circumstance it needs there are to. there are some general terms that you can blanket yes. apply but yes yes but there are some general ones but at the same time you need to be a bit more specific now we're getting close to the end of the show so i'm gonna let you chris very quickly bullet point out anything else you want to so there was like in fit it is just yeah there was only one more to one or two more things so there's the, the the general contractual things that are in every contract on every business mm -hmm. contract in the world ever which are things like variation privity severability waiver anti-corruption governing law as in this is governed by the law of the UK, england and wales um and force majeure which is things that we cannot avoid if something happens like for example i force majeure i consider disconnected internet as force majeure I know we can mitigate that by having a second line, but if I am disconnected from, from the world and I'm providing services remotely, to me, that's something I've got no control over. So I put that in my force majeure um, thing. If there's an earthquake and everything, my house falls down, I can't provide my services anymore. Sorry. you know. Um, yeah, well, <clears throat> the, yeah. they the I think in America they're called acts of God. Yeah, same thing. Force majeure, the acts of God. Yeah, but the, they thing. literally are called just acts of God. In we're, we're a very secular society in the UK these days, so <laughs> we, don't, uh, we don't refer to uh, to the, the, the great being in the sky. Um, so and, not in contracts, anyway. Yes. So we're going to we're going to pull that in there, and we've covered quite a few things that should be in contracts. Now, again, I'm going to have you stipulate the fantastic red text again. Can I, can I just, there's, there's the one or two more points before we finish. We are still 15 minutes away. Let me just um, finish off the things that should be we're, in the contract. We're 11, but go ahead. Right, so mutuality, mutuality of obligation. That is a term that basically st states that my client is not responsible for providing me work after our outside of this agreement. And also, right. I am not, I am not, um, <clears throat> I do not have to take work, an offer of work from my client outside of this agreement. The only the only other things are the right of substitution, which we talked about briefly, uh, right to subcontracting, and uh, that's about any SLAs, that kind of thing that we have in there. Yep. And that's it. 
And uh, are you sure you got everything? I did. I got everything that should really be in a contract. There's other things that shouldn't be right. in a contract and plenty of other things we want to talk about, but I'm happy with that as a general term. Sort of like we actually got everything in into one type of episode instead of spread out across multiple, like we sometimes have to do. But to be fair, there is an awful lot to unpack in this. And there are going to be things where, based on the type of work that you do, whether you are doing sort of, you know, fill your butt in the seat kind of a thing, to whether you are doing, you know, work where you are literally forced to move locations. So relocation and things like that can be included in contracts as well. All of these things obviously see a lawyer, etc. Now, with all of that in mind, we purposely left out IR35. We'll come back to that. There is a yes. reason, but we will come back to that. I am actually incredibly proud of us for at least doing what we have done this episode. Now we move on towards the end of our show, and I am going to remind you that we no longer do the RTFM. We actually do the BYOM, which is to bring your own manual. Yes, this is a chance for us to share knowledge of things that may have kind of made us go, wow, or huh, I didn't know that, or that's kind of cool, or something just to help empower. So Chris, what did you learn this week or these past couple weeks? I have learned uh, that just now I've learned that XSplit doesn't always put my Discord into um, into the right mode when I started up. So, as I said, apologies for that, everybody. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> Mine didn't either. Yeah, uh, but you don't do the XSplit normally does on my side. It normally right, uh, puts right. it on. So thank you very much for that, whoever that was. Um, but no, I, this week I have learned... Um, and I already knew this, but the world is full of different people. Nobody has the same opinion, and everybody is on a different journey. Um, I've done quite a lot of uh, online social kind of networking this week, especially on platforms like LinkedIn. Um, more professional like stuff than normal, um, more kind of focused on what we're talking about today, contracts and IR35 and that kind of thing. Um, mm. And there are lots of people with lots of different opinions. And we're not always right. And when we're not always right, we can be, we can accept, you know, we can say that we're wrong, you know, and it's not, it's not a weakness. It's not, I mean, I, I knew this anyway, but you need reminding every now and again that it's not a weakness to be wrong. No. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think empathy, I suppose. <laughs> Is, is, Sonder, I've been, Chris. Yeah, I've been, Sonder, it always comes back to Sonder. I've been reminded of, of empathy. Oh, I see. It's interesting. You you went with a humanistic approach this week. Whereas for me, I'm actually going to go a software method, uh, thing this week. Um, for me, I had the most interesting thing occur. An update for Java appeared on my system. Now... Java is installed on my system so that I can do things like play Minecraft. Because <laughs> it's kind of a fundamental building block for being able to play Minecraft. However, Java did something that made little Darth Securitas inside of me smile. So it comes up to do the update and it goes, Oh, we noticed that you haven't used Java in over six months. You should just remove me from your system. Would you like to uninstall Java? 
And I said, hell yeah, ka-ching. But the fact that that was presented to me and there was a time attachment to it made the little security girl in me freak out. I was like dancing. I was like, what? Yeah, Till Tepper just said Java and security in the same sentence. (laughs) I know. It just made my mind just go, what? I was really, really, really excited by that. So, yeah, that that is a thing I learned. I also, because I have an added bonus this week, I also learned a thing or two about .NET Core. Okay. And that is because I've recently done a podcast with one of our previous guests from the .NET Core show, which will be out soon and stuff. And um, I basically put poor old Jamie to the ropes about .NET Core to have him try and convince me to actually get involved in it. I cannot give out any spoilers about whether or not that was successful or whether I basically broke him. But I will state that it'll be an interesting listen, and uh, we'll let you guys know when it's out. So I learned something that I can't share because (laughs) (laughs) I can't share information about this yet. It'd be spoilers. But yeah, that whole Java thing, that absolutely blew my mind. I was so happy for like 30 minutes. And then, of course, the high wore off and and I needed to do some more. But, you know, I, I don't think I've got Java installed on my machine. Uh, the only th- the last time I installed mm. it was I think I played Minecraft a few years ago and Java it was the Java version of it. Um, don't have any call to install it. I'm not a Java guy, so. Mm, yeah. But yes. So that is our B Y O M. Bring your own manual. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we are now at the end of our show. Thank you to all of you fantastic people in Twitch, Fultzcrack, and Vina, Dultepe, and everybody else. Thank you so much for participating with us and joining in. And of course, to everyone listening in the future on our podcast, thanks for listening to us ramble about contracts. You know, the most sexiest subject in the world when it comes to uh, development. <laughs> Indeed, yes, and you can visit our website on www.dnistream.live where we have all of our links to our podcast platforms. We're on lots of different discovery platforms. You can see that on there. We're on YouTube as well, and all of our episodes are listed on there. We will be doing some work on that soon and updating it, making it a bit more efficient. You can use the uh, contact form there to get in touch with us for any reason. If you've got any comments, any uh, you've got any ideas for subjects, or you've got any questions, or want to be a guest on the show, please do get in touch. And we just like to talk to people who are excited about, I'm going to branch out and say, development, dev, devops, sysops, support, people, teams, development. Yay! Just, you know, you want to join us. Don't worry. Chris only bites when you mention his beard. It's all good. (laughs) I, I don't bite at all. I know I might seem like it on the internet, but I'm a nice person in real life. I think. And on that glorious bombshell, all that's left is for us to say goodbye. We hope to see you all next week at Thursday at 7 p.m. UK time. Um, There is a potential interesting thing that may or may not occur next week, but I can't say anything. Because I don't know. Basically, I'm leaving you in the dark. Either way, see you on twitch.tv slash DNI stream. Bye, everybody. Bye.